Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. And um, this past year, coming close to the end of the 2011 year, I feel like I had a crucifix experience. And um, it was one that I would have never thought of, but it happened. And um, the thing about it is that when I found out I actually had a miscarriage, at the end of the, at the end of 2011, and I had to actually have surgery to have the rest of um, the sac removed. I basically said, Lord, I literally prayed, like God, let this thing just come out. You know, if this is the way you're gonna have us to the journey you're gonna have me on. I said, let it just come out, and lo and behold, it never happened. I still had to go through with the surgery. And as I, it was very interesting because the Lord had actually been speaking to me during my quiet time, even before the entire thing transpired. As a matter of fact, that morning before I actually lost the baby, the Lord actually gave me the scripture that talked about um, crucifixion and just giving up everything to him. And I, you know, I looked at it and I said, Lord, don't tell me this is what I think it is. But he was preparing my heart. And so I said, okay, so be it. By the end of the week, everything transpired, went on the surgery table. And the amazing, the most amazing thing happened one of the girls who was actually um, helping to prep me for the surgery actually said, doesn't it feel like you're on a cross? Of all the things she could say to me, she said that. And at the time she said it, I was thinking it. I actually was going back to the conversation that I had with God during my own quiet time. And I said, Lord, if this is the new season, I don't know what else is, is going to be beheld. But I said, it must be something great. And so even after the surgery, everything, you know, they said everything, you know, for the most part went well. Woke up, didn't remember anything, which was the best part. Um, But the thing about it is God kept bringing messages to me, even as I would turn on my radio in the car. And through the entire process, he would say, it's for my glory. It's for my glory. Greater glory, a greater anointing. And sometimes when we hear greater, we say, God, I want that. But the process to get it, we say no to. And so when God kept saying that he's going to get the glory out of it, that's the very thing that kept strengthening me for my fresh start. And for me, it felt like a horrible start. But for God, it was a fresh start. Because what he was doing was he's laying the ground for what he wants to do. He's setting the stage for the miracles that he wants to display in my life. And so for somebody else, 
they will say, oh God, oh no. But because of my own personal experience with God, I was able to surrender and say, okay God, oh yes. Not my will, but thine will be done. And so today, even as we're doing this fresh series on a fresh start, we're going to talk about a fresh start in our service to God. Because when you talk about starting fresh in your spiritual life, as Pastor Edgar preached, there has to be something that follows. And that thing that follows is service. And so today we're not just going to talk about a fresh start in our service, but a fresh start in our service to rebuild lives. Because the thing about it is that unless, you know, and this is the word that God said to me, he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And so we're talking about giving our lives over to God in such a way that our service reflects it. And when our service reflects it, other lives are blessed by it as well. Because they recognize that really and honestly, you shouldn't be standing in front of them. Strong as you are, with joy, with hope, with a peace of mind. Because many others aren't as peaceful. Many others aren't as hopeful. Many others, as a matter of fact, have been shattered because of experiences such as the ones that you've been through. And so even as I was there, I started considering the new year, and um, I began to think about Solomon, and I started feeling like Solomon, and I began to ask God a lot of questions about this new year, and um, this fresh start in terms of rebuilding lives, and there were three things that actually came to my mind, well, there are three questions, literally, that I had to ask myself, and these three questions, I'm going to challenge you also to ask yourself as you start your fresh start in your service to God. But before we even go into that, I'm going to open up in a word of prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time, Lord God, where we're talking about giving ourselves away to you, not to anything else, not to anybody else, but to you first. And then everything else and everyone else will fall in line. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord Jesus, that even as I would open my mouth today, that you would just continue to lead me and to guide me so that your people, Lord God, would hear exactly what it is that you desire to say to them so that they would walk out of here knowing what their next step needs to be and what are the things that they need to consider as they begin their fresh start in their service with you. So, Father, we thank you. I offer myself up afresh, even now, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 2 was one of the scriptures that I took a look at, and you can turn there. And so Solomon was basically trying to figure out the meaning of life. And basically, these were some of the experiences that he encountered. And I'm going to begin reading. Here begins the word of the Lord. I said to myself, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, come on, let's try pleasure. 
Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fresh fruit. I'm sorry, all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. In other words, he was affluent. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers. We have a wonderful worship band, by the way. <laughs> both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. All the men say amen. All right now. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. How many of us have ever felt like what we've been doing? You ask God, Lord, why am I doing this? How many people have been in that place? Like, why am I doing this, God? What's the point? You know, and so that's where Solomon was. And in the beginning of the year, that's where I was too. But as I went through this journey of, of wondering, like, what is all this? You know, you work a job, you know, till you die. And, you know, you go to the greatest restaurants. And, you know, you get married and you have kids and um, all of this stuff. And then the question becomes, Lord, what's the point of all of this? And so the first question that you want to ask in terms of your service starting over fresh in your service and really making sure that your service is meaningful is, question number one, why am I performing these activities? Why am I doing them? What's the reason? What's my motive? Is it just for me to feel good? To say I've done my duty? Because for some people, that's what it is, doing good things. Is it for approval from others so they can see, you know what? He's a great guy. She's a great woman. Look at how smart they are. Or is it for God's glory so that it can be revealed in the earth? Why are we performing these activities? And so once we ask that question, then we recognize that everything basically comes to naught except for one, and that is to see God's glory displayed in the earth. And when you think of God's glory, and I looked up the word glory, and it speaks of God's wonder, 
God's magnificence. It, it, it's giving God credit. And I like that word credit because it makes me think of a credit card, you know. And so it, it allows God to get the credit for whatever's happening, what wonderful things are happening in your life or what wonderful things you do for others. It allows God to get the credit, and it shows his brilliance and his success. And so when, God, when people look at us, you want them to see how God is succeeding through you, success of God. You want them to see the brilliance of God. You want them to see the wonder of God, the magnificence of God through your life. And so, but in order for that to happen, we have to be very intentional. These things just doesn't happen because we just happen to be in a specific place. No, we have to be intentional. We have to go after it. We have to plan for it. We have to set ourselves up for God's glory to be displayed. And so, a lot of times we, we, we shoot arrows in the dark and we say, well, I think this is the need around me. I know sometimes we, we make assumptions. We're like, you know what? I think Sister Debbie might need a hug today. Instead of saying, hey, Sister Debbie, how you doing? What's going on? And really find out what's going on with our brothers and our sisters. And then taking the next step to saying, well, how can I meet that need? We have to be very intentional. And in terms of being intentional, one of the things that we want to do is also make sure that it's genuine. Because a lot of times we can do things, but we're not doing it genuinely. We're doing it out of duty. And so as a result, it becomes a burden. As a result, we begin to fret and murmur, you know. And we say, well, how can she do this when I did that? But when that begins to happen, then you have to check your motives and say, well, why did you do it in the first place? So we want to make sure that when we have intentions, that our intentions are bigger than the moment. And this is something that actually Oprah Winfrey, that's not my quote, that was something that Oprah Winfrey actually stated, you know, and um, I thought it was very powerful because sometimes we just live in the moment. You know, it's just like, you know, right now, I'm just having a conversation for right now. But we have to begin to have conversations keeping in mind that this conversation could be that person's last conversation with you. Have that conversation realizing that this could be the conversation that changes the course of the rest of their lives. So we want to make sure that everything that we do is just bigger than that one moment. You know, a lot, uh, in the beginning of the year, a lot of us have goals like getting out of debt, um, you know, we, we want to start a family, or we want to get a house, or uh, we want to go to grad school. And one of the things that we want to make sure that we do this year is not just think it or talk about it, but we want to make sure that we are being about it. Look at somebody and say, don't think about it, be about it. Look at somebody else and say, don't think about it, be about it. 
And that's really what's going to change things for us this year because we're about it. You know, we're not just talking a good game, but we're really working it out. And I think when we really work it out, then God begins to say, okay, you know what? This is not going to work, but I'm going to allow you to see the next strategy that will work. You know, something that's going to bless the next person who's next to you. Because you're not just thinking about you, you're thinking about them too. And so we want to make sure that we're just not trying to fulfill the American dream. You know, where it's all about us. You know, where it's all self-centered. Because if it's just self-centered, then that means that we're positioning ourselves just so we could be blessed. But that's not the way that God called us to actually think. That, that's not his design. His design is for us to bring the kingdom of God here to the earth, which means that we're going beyond just us as individuals. And there's nothing wrong with wanting things for yourself. But if that's the only thing that you think of, then there's a problem. Because God wants you to recognize that the kingdom is bigger than you. So if your goal is to get out of debt this year, ask yourself this question, why? Besides the credit card, you know, people calling you, you know, I want them to stop calling, Pastor. Okay, that's good. But what else? How are you, when God gets you out of debt, what's the next plan? Is it just to take the wonderful vacations that we've always dreamed of? I know I have a cruise in mind. Is it to trade in that car? I, I, I know I would like a new one. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it stops there, then you've missed it. You've missed what the kingdom is about. You've missed what fresh service is about. If we say, you know what, pastor, I want to get out of debt because I want to invest in, and you fill in the blank. It could be, you know what, there's a pregnancy down the block, pregnancy center down the block. I realize, you know what, they're always asking for milk. You know what, pastor, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the store, purchase some milk, and send it off. Pastor, you know what, I, I, I don't know, there's this, there's this gospel magazine, and it seems like they're going through, but they've blessed my heart, and they've helped me in my spiritual growth, and I want to give back to them. So I'm going to start sowing a seed into that ministry. Then you got it. But we have to begin to think bigger than that one moment. Bigger than us. Because service is not about us. But it's about serving others. Isaiah 58.3 says, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Then God's reply says, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Let it not be said of us that we're all about us during this fast. Because if we don't think outside the box, 
then at the end of this fast, you'll look great. You'll lose some pounds. But nothing else in your life would have changed. Nothing else in your service would have changed. And so you, you just become a thinner you. Not a better you. Not a bigger you. Just a thinner you. And so at the end of this fast, one of the things that I believe that we're looking for are breakthroughs. And I believe Pastor sung that song this morning. He opened up, you know, um, breakthrough, another breakthrough. We're looking for breakthroughs. And I'm hoping that the breakthrough is not just for us individually, but also for our communities, also for our families, also for our friends. There's some friends that, 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 you know what, are far from God. And I'm hoping that during this time we're taking a moment to pray for them. And not only that, but even for our nation. There's a lot of stuff going on, especially with the church right now. Churches being, are being put out of, or they want to put churches out of public spaces. So these are the, these are the things that we have to start praying about, because guess what? It's going to affect you in the long haul. It's going to affect me in the long haul. But we have to make sure that during our fast that we're putting these things on the table. Don't be consumed with what's happening in your life right now that you forget about the kingdom. So even as you continue to interact with others, I want you to keep in mind your spiritual walk with God because real living starts spiritually with your relationship with God, making sure that that relationship is vital, that is vibrant, that is thriving. And so when we make sure that our relationship with God is thriving, then there's a compassion that comes over us, compassion for the poor, a compassion for the helpless, a compassion for the oppressed. And oppression comes in different forms, whether we think it or not. And you know what? For some people, they're still oppressed in their minds. Some people are racist still. And they might be sitting right next to you. And so instead of getting into an argument with them, keep them in prayer. Pray for them. Some people think that everybody is against them. The world is against them. That's oppression. That's a spirit of rejection. Keep them in prayer. And ask God, Lord, how can I show them the love of Christ? What can I do? Maybe God would say, get them some coffee. And so they begin to see the difference between the world's way and God's way. And they realize that there is really someone who's for them and not against them. You know, one of the things that um, I said to my husband when I was in college, and at the time it was just dating, whatever dating means, you know, collecting data, <laughs> data, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, he basically was like, oh, you know, maybe I should come to your school. And I said, no, you're not. You're not coming to my school, you know. And, uh, you know, he, he was like, well, why don't you go to a Christian college? I said, oh, not me. Mm-mm. 
I can't see myself in a Christian college. And he said, why? I said, because I'll become religious. I said, you have to know yourself. See, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who, if you say color in the lines, I'll color in the lines. Now, I'm a critical thinker, but I'll color in the lines. However, at the same time, you have to realize what environments are good for you and what environments are bad for you. For me, I told myself, Christian college is not good. Not for me. Not for me. I said, I need to be in a secular college. I said, because I need to be in touch with what's going on in the real world, in people's lives. Now, some people will say, well, you could be in touch in a Christian college. Well, the way, I, the way my mindset is, I was not. I was not. And I repeat, I would not thrive spiritually in a Christian college, but I would become more of a Pharisee. And I would have become more judgmental. And so by being in a secular college, it really opened my eyes up to what people really went through. Because people would literally come to me and just start sitting and talking to me out of nowhere. And so when things like that would happen, and I was a part of the Christian club, don't get me wrong, I was involved, you know. However, for me, because of my background, I like, a, I like hands-on experiences. And so what it would do is it would keep my heart soft just by being in a secular college, a secular environment. And so as a result, it allowed me to really pay attention and understand basically what other young women will go through. Because a lot of them would come and they would say, you know what, this is a little, and I'll say, you know what, I hear you. Because I was able to relate. But at the same time, I was able to give them the word of God without being judgmental. You have to know the kind of individual that you are. And you have to be honest with the kind of individual you are. You know, even as you continue in your service with God. Because if not, you end up in an environment that will not be helpful for you, but will be detrimental to you and your service to God. And so, make sure that you pray during this time. God, open my eyes to those around me who are in need. And I think as you ask God to open your eyes to those who are in need, that he will do it. Make sure that we're never too busy. Because sometimes we could be, you know, it's like, wow, you know, the Lord will get you up. And because you're in such a rush, and this has happened to me before, because you're in such a rush now, because you didn't get up, you miss opportunities along the way to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. So take the time to activate your faith and put it to use. Because service, we know service doesn't save us, but our faith lacks sincerity without service. Your faith will be considered dead if you do not put it to good use. It will sit like the Dead Sea and remain dead. But God wants us to have a living faith today, a faith that goes out, a faith that touches, a faith that says, you know what? I see someone else in need. And even though I can say, well, I'm in need, 
I'm willing to still help them. Amen? Right. Hallelujah. But we want to make sure that we treat each person that we encounter as if it were Jesus himself. And sometimes we don't. We don't because of our own prejudices. We don't because of our own inhibitions. But in Matthew 25, 40 to 45, Jesus tells a story He talks about dividing the goats from the sheep. And basically what he was talking about was dividing believers from unbelievers. And what separated the unbeliever from the believer were the evidence of their faith. And so when Christ actually said, what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And so when he actually said that, they were like, but Lord, when have I seen you? And both groups asked this question. When, when have I seen you, Lord? When I've seen you hungry. And he said, when you fed the hungry, you fed me. In but so many words. When you clothed the naked, you clothed me. When you actually gave shelter to those who were in prison, you gave shelter to me. That doesn't mean you open your door to everybody. But it might just be, I've got ten skirts in my closet, and I could at least give away one because I see somebody else who is least fortunate than I am. And God sees that. God sees that. If someone's sick, and you're able to assist them in some way, take a meal, whatever it may be, do it. Because it's a blessing for them. You know, Pastor Edgard and uh, Sister Debbie, I'm going to shout them out right now. But, um, you know, when we were going through our experience, um, they came over and they brought us to dinner. You know, originally, you know, in, because I am, my greatest strength is my greatest weakness. My strength is I'm strong. My weakness is I'm too strong. And uh, so what happens is I'm I'm, I'm a person who uh, I self-heal or I I self-soothe. I can get through something and I won't necessarily need someone to kind of tap me on my back to get through it. You know, I'm, 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 I'm the kind of person, I, you know, you could tell me whatever, you, yes, that's wonderful, that's great, but give me my space. Now, when you give me my space and I get with God, then that's where I begin to wrestle with the things that the enemy may come against me with or whatever it is, my own stuff. You know, that's when I begin to wrestle before God and get it all out. And once I get God's response, I'm good. And I dust my feet off and I keep on moving. And the people around will be like, oh, my God, oh, my goodness, girl, like, come here, girl, come here, come here. And I'm like, could you back up a little bit? Because you're depressing me. You're stepping on my joy. I've got hope. 
Jesus and I are cool. We got it together. And so, you know, again, you know, I, but I was so, I, but one of the things that the Lord and my husband had to help me with is, but you have to give people room to love on you. Because there is still an area in your heart that's in need of it. We're still social beings. There's a place for others. And so I had to back up because, you know, I'm like, okay, give me my space until this time and then I'm cool. You know, and then you can come and love me all you want. Ah, that's cool. Ah, okay. You know, and I, I receive it. But at that time it was, but when you're still vulnerable, still allow them in. That was a difficult place. But it was needed and it was important. And so they came over and they bought, oh man, when I tell you the dinner was slamming. It was, oh, the pork, the moist. It was like falling off the bones. I could tell he marinated the night before, if not two days before. I was like, oh Lord. I was licking my fingers and all. You know, and the rice and peas and the, oh, the vegetables. I'm telling you, they, they did it up. I felt like I had a restaurant coming from my kitchen, and I wasn't in there cooking. Oh, it was good. But, you know, but it, it, it blessed my heart that they would take the time, and it was cold that day, too. They would take the time to come over, spend time with us, and cook a meal, you know. when Sometimes you're so used to giving that you don't get comfortable receiving. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's some of us. If it's you, just say ouch and just keep your head down, you know. But that's real. That's real. We don't mind helping somebody out, but when we're in need, we have a problem taking the help. And so, but you have to allow people also to bless you. Because then you take away that joy that God wants to give to them in regards to their service. So don't rob anybody of your service today. Give them, give them room. Let them in so that they can love on you. Let them in so that they can actually show you how much God loves you, how much God cares for you, how much God is thinking about you. Because sometimes it's just like, okay, God, we think it's a one-way thing. But it's not. It's a two-way thing. So open your door to someone today, those that really care, and you know that they genuinely care, and let them bless you today. Um, The second question you want to ask yourself is, what purpose do these activities fulfill when you're serving others? It's not the responsibility of our government or the church to meet the deep and personal needs of those around you. It's your responsibility to do that. Everyone is not in the same sphere of influence as you. So be on the lookout. Don't just absorb everything for you. And that, because, you know what, that was a problem. That was a problem in Isaiah 58, 
where they were like, Lord, I humbled myself. Lord, I did this. And, and God was like, but you, you did whatever you wanted to do. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. You did whatever you wanted to do. And that was the issue. And so here, even in Isaiah 58, verse 5 to 7, God says to them, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. A lot of times, and I'm going to stop there, but a lot of times, again, we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of me doing this? Not just my motive, but what's the bigger purpose? You know, and sometimes we, we, we are like, okay, God, you know what? I think I'm good with you, but God says, but the people around you is not. You know, your community is not. And God put us here so that our communities can be transformed and that people's lives can be saved. And it's real. God is still coming back. Christ is still returning. You know, we don't keep that on our radar, but it's true. It's still true. And the thing about it is that, you know, a lot of times we can, we can become so self-centered that we are not aware of the needs that are right in front of us. We can become blinded, you know. And, you know, I, I'll, 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 I'll share this with you. You know, this week um, when I returned to work after my little hiatus. Um, you know, my, my boss said to me, you know, Alvernia, we have a project. I need you to complete this. You know, the deadline that has that's for everybody else is still for you. I said, okay, that's cool. I understand that. I'll get it done. Um, and so the problem was we did not get the training that we needed in order for this project to fly. So we had well, I, sh I should say we had one training, one training. And um, the amazing thing about that is that everyone was still confused because there were some questions that were still left unanswered. And, uh, you know, sh my boss basically tried her best to answer our questions, but she really did not have the answer. So everyone kind of left the meeting, and we were still clueless as to getting the project completed. And her thing is, whatever it is, it's due on Friday. So on Wednesday, I said, look, I got to crack down because I need to get this report done. And she wants stats. Stats take time to do. I know that because I worked with stats before. So I um, started working on it. I got a couple other people in with me. I said, look, I said, this doesn't make any sense. I said, do you know what this is? They were like, no, I have no idea what this is about. Make a long story short, I called all over the place, including the company who actually um, gave us the tool that we were supposed to work with. And a lot of the, the, the technicians were like, I'm sorry, ma'am, it's not my specialty. I'll try my best to give you the information that you need. However, um, 
you still have to speak to a project manager. I'm like, who's my project manager? Uh, well, we can lead you to this person, this person, this person. By the second day, I finally got into contact with that person. This is about Thursday now. My report is due on Friday. Um, so this person finally, you know, I got a hold of, I got a hold of him, and um, he calls me back. He gives me the information that I need, and I'm going, there's a problem. We're interpreting the stats wrong. So I'm here, and I'm going, okay, you know, I'm just thinking about my report, because I just got back on Monday. I'm not thinking about the other two, because when I looked over at their laptops in the meeting, it looked like they had a whole bunch of stats going on and reports almost completed. They sat down together and collaborated. So I felt like I had to look out for myself. Come on now. You know, so I'm like, look, I need to make sure my stats are right. Because I'm not giving anybody any, you know, stats that I myself can't even interpret. So, you know, make a long story short, I was there and I was like, yeah, I have the answer now. I can't you know, get my report together, um, and one of, one, one, of the, one of the ladies that I was working with, she goes, well, you know what, you need to let the other two young ladies know um, that there's a scale that they need to use in order to interpret their data. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, uh-huh, I do need to let them know, don't I? You know, but the, in, you know, on the inside, you're going, but they acted as if they had it together. Nobody was calling me, so why do I have to email them? You know, and you get selfish. Come on, y'all. Y'all, all right, I'm by myself. I understand. I was selfish. Yes, yes, and you fear that somebody else is going to take the credit when you actually were the one calling around the world, you know, to get the information, you know, and that their report will be done and you'll still be... You know what I'm saying? Stressed out, trying to get things completed, you know? And, but the interesting thing was that morning, my husband had shared his devotional with me, which was like, and uh, it was it basically in the devotional, it says, what bold step will you take today? And I sat at my desk going, oh. Okay, Lord, I guess my bold step is now to speak for the rest of the congregants, you know, to say we really can't do this report because, number one, there is a grid that, you know, a scale that we need to use to interpret the stats, and secondly, um, the stats are skewed because we purchased the wrong test for two grades. Or oh, I should say we didn't purchase the right test at all for the two grades because they actually took a 10th grade test, our 11th and 12th graders. So we can't give the district our numbers because our numbers are incorrect. So I had to kind of suck it up and say, Lord, I will share the information. It will not just be about me and my service, saving myself, but I will save the team. <laughs> and so sometimes it's kind of like that. You know, you, you just want to get yourself out of trouble because right now you just realize that you're in hot water, but sometimes you have to look around and speak up for the rest of the team. 
because the rest of the team is also in trouble. And every team sometimes needs a captain. Some days it might be somebody else, and other days it might be you. But we have to be willing to take that bold step. And for me, I'm like, look, the lady didn't even call, my boss didn't call me back. I, left. I tried to leave a voice message. I said, but she didn't even call me back to say, okay, I understand. I said, nothing. I said, but now I have to send an email to say this is what I found? I said, all right. Lord, I'll take the heat. And you know, sometimes you have to be willing to take the heat. Because if not, then that means that somebody would actually be taking the wrong way or they'll be going down the wrong road and if you don't stop them, then they could end up looking foolish. And so I had to take that step and not think about myself, but think about the team. So, you know, think about the team today. Think about others. Think about your neighbors, you know. Think about um, your coworkers. Think, think, think about the rest of the world when you're praying as you're on this fast. You know, don't just think about the trouble that you're facing, but think about the trouble that we're facing together. Because, you know, nothing is new under the sun, which means that if you're going through something, there's somebody else who's also going through a similar experience or experiencing similar pain. So don't think that you're out there all by yourself. Amen? All right. The third question that you want to ask so that your service can be meaningful is, Are you searching for meaning or searching for the God who gives meaning? Are you searching for meaning? Am I searching for meaning? Or for the God who gives meaning? A lot of times we don't look at ourselves as stewards. But in actuality, everything that we have is really God's our bodies, our families, our time, our money. All of that really does belong to God. But sometimes we look to our jobs to define us, and we look to people to affirm us. But in reality, we are valuable without those two things, without people affirming us, and even if we weren't in that particular job, you are still of value. And I say that because, number one, keep in mind, the Word of God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's value. God doesn't just create something and then just say, here it is. He creates it. He fashions it. He takes his time doing it. And so when, when the word of God says we're created in his image and in his likeness, know for a fact that God, first of all, is powerful. So his power lies on the inside of us. And that's powerful as well. So that's a powerful thought to even think about. So keep in mind that yes, the job will add to your value. People's affirmations are just recognition of the value that God has put on the inside of you. 
But you can't allow those things to identify you. Because if you do, today you'll be the greatest, and tomorrow you'll be the worst. Today you'll be an asset to them, tomorrow you'll be a liability. And that's real. You could be the best partner in business, but get sick tomorrow and you can't come back, they're replacing you. Thank you so much. You've been wonderful. That's just the way it works. But whether you're on a sick bed or whether you're sitting in a chair behind a desk, your value does not change. You're still you. You're still great. God still lives inside of you. These are the avenues that God uses so that you can, so he can display his glory through you. He gives you the job so that, guess what? You have something to do with your life. Hello? Guess what? Vacation is nice, but take too long. And I guarantee you, you'll get bored after a while. Come on. Two weeks is great. Two months is nice. On the third month, you start looking for things to do. Ah, uh, you start telling yourself, who can I visit today? Now, you know you ain't thinking about visiting them before. Who can I visit today? Hmm. Who can I call? Now, you know when you're on the job, you ain't call nobody. Who can I call? But you're bored out your mind. So now you try to find things to do. Because it's innate. God has created in us a passion to do something with our lives. To labor. He gave Adam a job. Take care of the, listen, take care of the animals. Take care of the trees. All right? That's what you're all going to do. That's your job. And take care of each other. Be fruitful and multiply. Gave him something to do. Because if not, boredom could kill you. Just like the job. Too much of anything will kill you. Work too hard, drop dead. Hard tack. Come on now. Ain't got nothing to do. Bored out your mind. Get idle. And you, get, you find yourself in a mess. So balance. Balance is key. And going back to God to find out exactly, Lord, what are the good things that you've created for me to do? What are these things? What, what is it that, that makes my heart leap and jump within me? Look, look for those things. Because those are the things that God would use to allow you to display his glory through service. Those are the avenues. Ephesians 2, 6, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 10 actually says, For we are God's workmanship, or his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7-12 says, For we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We may be hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. 
struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Christ may also be being revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always, always being given over to death for Christ's sake. For that his life, so that his life, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in, in you. You want God's word to come alive so that life can be at work in somebody else. Don't just allow insignificance or a spirit of insignificance to come upon you where you feel as if, you know what, God, I guess somebody else could do that. Know that your presence makes a difference wherever you are because you carry the presence of God. Know that no matter what, yes, someone can be, they can replace you, but there's no one who has the exact same qualities as you. No one smiles like you. No one can tell a story like you. No one can make somebody else laugh like you. No one else has the same hug as you do. You are valuable to God. Your mannerisms, you're created that way for a specific reason. If you notice, we look, all of our thumbprints are different. That's because everyone has a unique quality about them. And so it would be boring if we all had the same fingerprint, if we all did things the exact same way. So know that you have something that someone else does not have. And so don't allow your, the differences to cause certain things like jealousy or envy to rise in you. Because they have something that you don't. Always remember, you have something that they don't eat also. God has made us unique. And so he looks, when God looks at you, he sees himself. And he sees significance. So today, as you would go throughout your day, as you will continue your year, no matter what difficulties may come your way, remind yourself, remember, I'm useful to God. Remember, you know what? God has a purpose and a plan for every single thing that I say and do. So do it. Do what God is calling you to do. Don't sit on your gifts. Don't sit on your talents. Allow him to let them shine through you. Yes, some people may get upset because you, you, you're flourishing, but let them get upset. That's their jolt to move. But as a gathering church, we have to move forward. We have to allow lights to shine before men so that they can see our good works and glorify God, our Heavenly Father, which is in heaven. And as you continue to do what God is commanding you to do, know that whatever you need from God, if it's healing, healing will come forth. Whatever your breakthrough is that you believe in God for, being debt-free, that would happen. Just come up with a plan and stick to it. Stick to it. Be intentional. Go back to those three questions. And I think when you go back to those three questions and you're really able to answer them honestly, and you realize that, you know what, this one moment is bigger than me, then 
your breakthrough will come at the end of this fast. It won't just be a thinner you, but it will be a better you. Amen? All right. So continue to remember why you're performing the tasks or the activities that you are. Remember the purpose for those activities. And last but not least, I want you to keep in mind that God not only wants you to be intentional, but he wants you to remember to seek him in regards to the plans that you're putting on the table. So give yourself away to him today. Give yourself away. And if you're willing to say, you know what? There's some things I need to think about. These questions have touched you in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet because we're going to pray. I'm standing. I'm still growing too. I'm not exempt. These are reflective questions for this new season. God is with you. He wants the best for you. So let's pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word that's true. We thank you, Lord God, that we're more than conquerors today. In the areas, Lord God, where we felt defeated, we put those areas on the altar, those areas where we say, you know what, God, I, I don't want to continue down this road. Because it's hindering me. We put it on the altar. Father, we purposely, Lord God, and intentionally want to fulfill the plans that you have for our lives this year. Lives, oh God, that you desire to display your glory through. We don't want to just do anything and, and everything. But Father, we want to do those things, Lord God, that you're asking us to do. That's intentional. That would allow us to say, when we look back at the end of the year, God was with me. God did it. So, Lord, we put the requests, the goals, uh, the resolutions on the table. We pray for consistency. We pray for boldness. We pray for determination and ambition today. Ambition to seek you first so that all the other things will be added. Father, we ask today, Lord God, that you would just continue to guide our footsteps. We pray, Lord, that you would show us how, Lord God, to loose the chains of injustice on our jobs and in our society. Show us those who are oppressed among us whether it be by a spirit of depression, whether it would be, Lord God, because of debt, 
whether it would be, Lord God, because of rejection, whatever it is, Lord God, that's oppressing them, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the breakthroughs, Lord God, that we need so we can reach them. So we can pull them, Lord God, back off the course that leads straight to hell and onto the course that leads straight to eternal heaven and life with Christ. Father, some of us have the strategies and the plans for someone else's life. And so we pray today, Lord, that we won't keep our mouth shut, but that we will be willing to share it. And even as we are willing to share it, that they'll be willing to hear it. And Lord, we pray, Lord God, even right now, for those of us, Lord God, who are saying, Lord, I'm opening up myself to receive more of your love this year. Love from others. Yes, we can stand strong alone. But we're even stronger when we're together with other believers. And so, Lord God, we make ourselves, Lord God, vulnerable to those who care about us. And so we ask, Lord God, that you would just help us, Lord God, to to recognize the care and the love. And to open up our hearts and let them in. So, Lord, have your way today. You know the next steps. We don't want to keep going in circles. But, Father, we want to go higher. We want to go deeper. In our relationship with you and in our relationship with mankind, each other, in regards to the kingdom. So let your kingdom come today and let your will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. So we thank you for what you've made us stewards over and for what you're going to continue to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.